It's time to get all set for Sunday, a podcast for busy and distracted Catholics with your hosts, Scott Williams and Jeff Trailer. When I hear the coffee brewing, I think, what the heck we doing? Because I got barely any sleep last night. As the diaper bag I pack with hot wheels, dollies, and some snacks, I say, oh, pray there'll be a seat in the cry room this time. It's all right, because I'm all set for Sunday. Matthew, Mark, or Luke, or John, no idea what's going on. I can't pay attention at any good rate. Looks from parishioners, old ladies, and ushers. I guess I'll throw some extra bucks in the collection plate. It's all right, because I'm all set for Sunday. It's all right, because I'm all set for. It's all right, because I'm all set for. It's all right, because I'm all set for Sunday. Welcome to All Set for Sunday, a podcast for busy and distracted Catholics to be prepared more than you would have been had you not listened to the podcast for Sunday Mass. (laughs) (laughs) We hope. Perhaps. Perhaps. Probably. My name is Scott Williams. My co-host is Jeff Trailer. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Scott. How's it going? It's wonderful. Good. Yeah. Who do we have with us today? Why don't you introduce him? Uh, Well... Oftentimes, the two of us are mistaken for each other, so I can absolutely introduce him because... Twinsies. Yes. Uh, a former colleague of mine when he was uh, chaplain coordinator at Ron Kelly High School, Father James Brockmeyer. Um, and for a point in time, the two of us had the same glasses. Yeah. Um, um. And same round faces, I think. And so the combo of the... in about the same height. And if I happen to wear black to school on a day when Father James was going to be in the building, we would often just either we would walk together and people would just giggle. Yes. We knew what was going on. Or people would just mistake me or one of us for the other. So, But I couldn't be honored, more honored than to be mistaken for up. somebody. Um, versus I'm sure Father James was quite offended every time somebody <laughs> called him Jeff. <laughs> Father I, James Brockmeyer. I usually get Father Jerry Bird. People think that I'm Father Jerry Bird as well. Oh. That seems more offensive than being called me. It's a little bit offensive. (laughs) (laughs) I never have my hair as nice as Father Jerry Bird's, though. He does have fancy hair. Yeah. Do you think he goes to a barber? I'm sure. Do do priests all go to the same barber? Uh, I will say that one time I was sitting in a barber chair at a Great Clips in Greensburg. Mm -hmm. And out of the corner of my eye, and of course I don't have my glasses on, I see the shape of a a tall cassock walking through the door. Yeah. And it was Father Jonathan Meyer. Huh. So we go to the same barber. Interesting. Same Great Clips. The same Great Clips. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was told when I came to Rushville uh, that like I had seven parishioners who cut hair and that it was probably better for me not to choose one. And so I go, to Green, f- I go to Greensburg and get my hair cut. That's interesting. That's quite the opposite that y- your gut would be like, oh, seven, this is awesome. Yeah. But So if you're one of those, I apologize that I haven't chosen you, but it's, it's only because how do you choose between seven barbers in your parish? Yeah, you wouldn't let anybody cut them in half with a chainsaw, right? So I, I've always wanted to, to have like a barber, like to go yeah. to the barber. What, what do you do? Um, I've gone to the barber. Okay. But then I end up just like going to great clips it's oh, okay. it's like i need a haircut and i have availability right now yeah and going to the barber shop is not usually like that so okay. you want to have like a regular like every three weeks you go see the same barber you sit in his chair you're like how you doing how yeah and then that's He's the end like, of the conversation oh that's all you want no that's not how it works i had the same barber my entire childhood uh-huh and it's not that you don't talk it's just that like they talk yeah and you and you listen 
I can handle that as but long as don't I don't nod your head. No. <laughs> as long as I'm not like required to be a part of the conversation. Not that I don't want to talk to people, but I just. But you don't want to talk. Pretty to much people. don't want to. <laughs> don't want to talk to. People. I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. Let's talk about the readings this week. Okay. That was Oh, you see Speaking last of, week you were so you were so good on the segue and then this week you just fell off. We were talking about talking and now we're talking about talking about the reading. The segue would have been easy if it was like Samson and Delilah was the reading this weekend because that's the real like haircut content in the Bible. Other than that there's not much. Except for this podcast. We're now giving you the Catholic haircut content you're looking for. Yeah, let's see how many haircut uh, puns we can fit into this podcast. Well, we're going to find out. Let's trim a little off the top here, Jeff. Why don't you take us through the two-minute drill? All right, well, I'll try to keep it short. Why don't you keep it high and tie, why don't you? <laughs> My attention span is fading away. <laughs> <laughs> Tight fade. 23rd Sunday in Ordinary Time. Um, we... We continue our drudge through our drudge. I shouldn't say drudge, but we're, we continue through ordinary time here. Uh, our first reading comes from Isaiah. Isaiah says, be strong and fear not, because God's coming, y'all. He's coming. He's going to be here. Uh, he, and when he gets here, the lame will leap like, leap like stags. I thought that was a, that's some good imagery. The blind will see. The mute will sing. And then he goes into a bunch of stuff about sand and the hot desert. But essentially, he says the desert is going to become a beach. That's what I hear in this uh, explanation, that God's coming. He's going to take care of you, but you better be listening. Be strong. Fear not. Hold tight. He's going to be here. Life's a beach. Life's, <laughs> Life's a oh. beach, and then you die. <laughs> is that what you were saying? Yes. That's, what no, I, that's not that's what my homily's about this weekend. That's not, well, tune out now, everybody. Uh I, I say tune like we're on the radio. Tune your dials in tight. All right. The response to the psalm is praise the Lord, my soul, exclamation point. Uh, big exclamation point this week. Or it's back, Scott. Alleluia. Alleluia. But Question it's mark? interesting. Alleluia with a period. Not an praise the Lord, my soul with an exclamation point. Hmm. So I always wonder, and I didn't go take the time to go back and look, but I feel like there are plenty of times when the Alleluia has an exclamation point, but not here. Uh, the second reading comes from the book of James That's as we great. have hey James with us two weeks in a row with the book of James I was talking last week about how I really enjoy his imagery hmm. I like the the way he describes things so again this week he says be impartial don't judge book by its cover don't like don't just automatically invite the rich person with the nice clothes in and then tell the poor person with the ratty clothes that they have to sit at your feet or they have to stand like don't do that because God chose God chose the poor people to be rich don't ignore him he, he, he made that choice. We should also be impartial in how we evaluate those people as well. And then our gospel reading, the gospel comes from Mark chapter 7. It says, again, Jesus left the district of... Ta okay, I want to just preface this with... There's some tough words in here. That's okay. And it's not going to be great. Just and try your I best. I want to prepare everybody. So, again, Jesus left the district of Tyre and went by way of Sidon mm. to the Sea of Galilee. <laughs> Sidon, Jeff. Into the, just, can you wait? No. <laughs> into the district of Decapolis. That was good. And brought people, brought to him a deaf man who had a speech impediment and begged him, that's ironic, and begged him to lay his hand on him. He took him off by himself away from the crowd. He put his finger into the man's ears and spitting, touched his tongue. Then he looked up to heaven and groaned and said to him, <laughs> A, f a, fop a fopta. 
I don't understand why you couldn't say that. Evaphthaf. It's just two PHs next to each other. E P H P H A T H A F. A. Exclamation point. Sorry. Oh, good lord. F fatha. F fatha. That's a tough word to say to somebody with a speech impediment. That is be opened. And immediately the man's ears were opened. His speech impediment was removed. He spoke plainly, unlike me. He ignored... That was my own addition there. He ignored them not to tell anyone, but the more he ordered them not to, the more they proclaimed it. They were exceedingly astonished, and they said, He has done all things well. He makes the deaf hear and the mute to speak. (laughs) Uh... I'm going to show up at your church and listen to you read this gospel. I feel like, I feel like and, I, and you're going to hear me from the crowd go, mm, mm. I feel like there could have been a soundtrack that was just laid behind that gospel <laughs> reading. Have you ever been to at Disney World? There's a, there used to be a, um, uh, it used to be called MGM, I think, but there was a, a attraction where you would go and put on headphones and it was, a Drew Carey thing. But anyways, part of it was actually getting a haircut, but you could like, basically it was just an audio immersed version of that. And you'd hear like the clippers going across from ear to ear. Uh, but I just, I just saw with father James comments that that could have been the entire process was just making sound effects for everything that you were doing. Do we need to read that? Should we have someone read it? Other than like, other than, other other than than you, (laughs) someone else in the room. Just once through with all of the. That's a lot of pressure to put on words. it now. No, I. Do you want me to reread it and without the commentary so people can understand what we're talking about? My apologies. <laughs> I mean, you got your jo- your jokes in here. You can and you can come afterwards. All right. Mark chapter seven. Again, Jesus left the district of Tyre and went by way of Sidon to the Sea of Galilee into the district of Decapolis and brought people brought to him a deaf man who had a speech impediment and begged him to lay his hand on him. He took off by himself away from the crowd. He put finger, his fingers into the man's ears and spitting touched his tongue. Then he looked up to heaven and groaned and said to him, Afafta, that is be opened. And immediately the man's ears were opened. His speech impediment was removed and he spoke plainly. He ordered them not to tell anyone, but the more he ordered them not to, the more they proclaimed it. They were exceedingly astonished and they said, he has done all things well. He makes the deaf hear and the mute to speak. Okay. Not that the first did one Did you hold your a, breath there not to wasn't not make fun of me? Is <laughs> no, that you why did, you, you're doing a good job, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> this was the opposite of a mullet because it was business in the back and then... The party was up front when I read it the first time. <laughs> right. Just more haircut jokes. <laughs> Father James, do you have any, any corrections? That, this is the, the time we can... <laughs> Pronunciation <laughs> correction? Sure, anything. Just Heresy, any. pronunciation. I, I usually hear Tyre and Sidon for the names of the towns. And then I usually say Ephatha, but I think that's anybody's guess. Mm. Yeah. So you just pronounce one of the PHs? Well, Ephatha. You know, it's just a longer. You brought show and tell. What do you, I did. What are you preaching about this weekend? Well, you know, I'm not exactly preaching about this, but I think it's really important that people make this connection between this weekend's gospel and part of the rite of baptism. So, so you brought your baptism. Book. I bought my I brought my baptism book. Does it smell like chrism oil? It does. Say, can, you, can I smell can, it? Can I pass it <laughs> That's around? all I wanted to ask. That's can smart. I That's smart. It does. Oh, yeah. Father Eric Augenstein taught us this joke or this trick. Mm-hmm. I love chrism oil. Yeah. Fresh baby heads. 
So this is part of the explanatory rites. And the rite of baptism... Uh, <laughs> Those I, are the fun ones. Well, I, I always tell people that, th- especially couples, when they're going to have their first child baptized, I said, when, when you're getting your child baptized, you have to kind of be patient within the baptismal rite. Because you show up and you're thinking, what's going to happen right away is they're going to baptize my baby. Mm-hmm. And that's not exactly right, because... There are a lot of prayers in preparation for baptism, and there are a lot of prayers after baptism. You know, before baptism, uh, we, we bless the baby with the oil of the catechumen. Uh, we ask God to strengthen the child in their journey uh, as Christian disciples. We invite the parents and godparents to claim the child for Christ by uh, drawing the sign of the cross on the child's forehead. We bless the water. After the baptism, we place chrism on the head of the child, which is a reminder of the dignity that they have in Christ and that they are uh, anointed as priest, prophet, and king. And we give a candle with, that, is, that represents the light of Christ to the, to the parents and godparents, telling them to keep the light burning. And then two minutes later, we tell them to blow it out. Um, that's not part of the symbol, though. <laughs> uh, we give the child a white garment, and we invite the child to keep that garment unstained and to bring it with them into eternal life, which I think is one of the most beautiful images in the baptismal rite. Ooh, unstained. That was in last week's uh, oh. uh, second Good. reading from James. Good callback. And then this. The, so... Uh, at the, very, at the very end of the explanatory rites, there is a rite, a prayer, called the Ephatha. Oh. It makes it directly into the baptismal rite, and it recalls this story from the Gospel of Mark. And uh, I haven't been doing it exactly correctly during COVID, and you'll, you'll see why, but in the reading, Jesus puts his... Because you can't spit. Yeah. Well, it doesn't involve spit in the baptismal rite. Okay. But Jesus puts his finger in the ear of the man and tells him to hear, and he spits on his hand and touches the man's tongue and says, uh, uh, be able to speak, open, be opened, ephatha. And so this prayer at the end of the baptismal rite that kind of stands out as strange, but is this direct call to Jesus' ministry, the priest puts his finger on the ear of the child and says, May the Lord Jesus, who made the deaf to hear, and then he puts his finger on the mouth of the lips of the child, and the mute to speak, grant that you may soon receive his word with your ears, and profess the faith with your lips, to the glory and praise of God the Father. Hmm. This is very beautiful prayer that reminds us that the Lord's healing and the way that the Lord gives us the gifts that we have of hearing and speech are ultimately not for us, but are for the Lord as disciples of Christ. We hear so that we may hear the word of God, and we speak so that we may speak the word of God. Uh, and I, I, I've just always found it to be a very beautiful prayer at the end of the baptismal rite. That's a good little connection. Yeah. If people hear me uh, sniffing, I don't have the sniffles, but I keep catching whiffs of the chrism, <laughs> and I'm very excited about it. So I just... The Ephatha is one page away from the anointing with chrism, so this is the page I touch <laughs> as I put the book up to my nose. <laughs> Well, yeah. You're good at this record, this audio recording thing. You give a good explanation of what you're doing. That was awesome. That's a great connection uh, to this reading this week. Are you going to share that with your congregation at St. Mary's in Rushville? Or? I, I think I will. Uh, the, other, the other line of thought that I've been having with these readings, and it's I think about it a lot, of, especially thought about it a lot in these last couple of years, which is, 
you know, we, we hear these promises given to us in the Old Testament that say when the Messiah comes, you know, the, the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the lame will leap like a stag. So we hear in our first reading that the coming of the Messiah will mean for us transformation, will mean for us healing. And we, we see in the gospel today that this healing is part of Jesus's ministry. Jesus encounters those who are sick and he heals them. And a part of our faith and an important part of our faith is a trust in Jesus that Jesus does heal us. Mm. And yet so often we find ourselves in situations where we are sick or our family members are sick and where does our first thought go and rightly so in our prayer. Our prayer is that the Lord may heal them. Our prayer is that the Lord may make them better. And one of the most challenging parts of faith in our, and especially in the difficult moments of our life, is that our hearts are drawn to make that prayer. And Jesus invites us to make that prayer through the ministry uh, we see so clearly in his life, through the promise that we see throughout the Old Testament and here in the New Testament fulfilled, that Jesus is one who heals. And yet there are times, of course, when Jesus does not heal. Mm -hmm. And those moments, those moments where we sincerely reach out to the Lord and say, Lord, I I just want you to heal my loved one. And there are times when that does not take place in the way that we would desire. That that is always such a a difficult moment of faith, Mm. a difficult moment in our relationship with the Lord. And... I think that as, as we place our faith in Jesus, especially in those difficult moments, we are invited along with our deep desire that we have for healing for our loved one. Above all, that the, the will of the Lord, the desire of the Lord for this person would be fulfilled. And our trust in the Lord, we are called to have a trust in the Lord in those moments that the healing that the Lord desires for them would take place. Yeah, because, because like at its core, there's a greater healing. Like, I, and I say this as some like having like lived, gone through the trauma of losing a loved one mm-hmm. and having that prayer. But it's it's also that like stepping back and remembering there is a much greater healing than a physical healing that Christ offers us. Yeah. And that that prayer of healing, if if that like when my mother passed away. This was a huge part of my prayer. And then after, as I processed that and realizing if the healing that the Lord provided for my mother was the healing of her soul and her in heaven, then glory be to God. That's, mm-hmm. I'll take that any day over. I miss my mother dearly, but I'll take that knowing that or the belief in that over just the physical healing mm-hmm. in that moment, which, which helps me heal as well in that process and helps me understand that in a different way as well. As, as a priest, I have the opportunity to have a front row seat mm-hmm. to what happens in people's hearts and people's minds in the midst of their suffering. And for people who are going through uh, tremendous suffering, who know that death may be near, there is a tremendous humility that comes with that. God showers this gift of humility, of patience, uh, that a lot of times people had difficulty within their life. 
I see this again and again. And I think that the sacrament of anointing of the sick has a tremendous amount to do with this as well. That, you know, when people are, people are really struggling uh, to make sense of their illness and they're able to be anointed, they're able to make a good confession and they have the opportunity to realize that the Lord is with them. The Lord is carrying them through this moment and the Lord has them safely in his hands. And how, how many moments are there in our life where we are confident of those things? And if that is the kind of healing, if, that, if, if gaining this confidence in the presence of Jesus, gaining this confidence in the power of God, and feeling like, you know what, God has me, and his mercy has me, and he's going to bring me to eternal life, that is a, that kind of trust and confidence going from wherever you were in your life, wherever you were in your faith to there, if that happens through the midst of your suffering, that is a tremendous healing. You, you mentioned in uh, the rite of baptism that we are brought into that ministry of Jesus and priest, prophet, king, right? Mm-hmm. Where where do we as like the lady fit into Jesus's ministry of healing? That, that's a that's a great question. Um, great question, Scott. Yeah, thanks. When when we know someone who is sick, going and being with them, visiting them, uh, is a tremendously healing act. I, we, we shouldn't take that for granted. Mm-hmm. There is a loneliness to being sick. And I've experienced that just in like having a bad cold for a week, you know, or in t- uh, when I had COVID, there was a tremendous isolation that goes on and yeah. feel like you can't be part of the world. And how much more so when you are in a hospital room or when you're in the, uh, in the nursing home, there, there's a tremendous difficulty there for people, uh, for loneliness. I, one of the things I found myself praying at daily mass and in the intentions lately is for those who are sick and lonely uh, because it, those two things so often go together. And your presence, your checking up on someone who is ill can do a tremendous amount for, uh, for their heart. Mm. Um, and showing up. Showing up. Yeah. And our, our brothers and sisters who are nurses and doctors uh, have a tremendous part, especially in Christ's healing ministry, that they are... Uh, nurses, I'm, I'm always amazed at the tremendous job that nurses do in caring for the person in front of them and not just the illness. Mm. And the incredible burden on them to do that. Yeah. To, to do your job, but then beyond that, be a presence, be yeah. human to somebody. And, and it, I can't begin to imagine. And I, and, I, and I know so many amazing nurses, Scott's wife being one, who like that... I'm always overwhelmed by like what the toll that takes on them physically and emotionally that like, if they could just go in and do the nursing part, maybe they'd be fine. But being a nurse is more than just the transactional Mm -hmm. piece of medical care. It's being a presence for somebody who is lonely, who feels alone and separated. And those are the horrible stories you hear about people Mm -hmm. who are in, who are being cared for in a medical institute or in a hospital or wherever it is. That will say, you know, I went an entire day with people in and out of this room and nobody spoke to me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just and how that is. So, 
and also believe in the power of your prayer. Uh, we are invited again and again by the Blessed Virgin Mary as she has appeared in, in, to pray the rosary, to pray the rosary for those who are in need um, and believe that your prayer of asking that the Lord be with someone in their illness, that the Lord touch someone, that the Lord heal them, uh, really is heard. And that's one of the most powerful things that we can do for those who are sick. That's a, a tremendous way that we can share in his healing ministry. Now, like a a healing service is a thing, mm. right? Yes. What is, like a legitimate... I don't know if it's a liturgy or what is what is a healing service in the context of our Catholic faith? The healing masses that I've been a part of are usually masses where we invite... And I really don't know anything about it. Sure. Uh, like it's a legitimate question. Yeah. Question, not trying to fish. They are usually masses that invite those who are ill, invite those who have chronic conditions or um, those who have things like cancer. Mm-hmm to come and as a community ask for the Lord's healing and as a community receive the anointing of the sick. So often anointing of the sick happens in a hospital room or after mass in the back of church. But it is a liturgy and as all liturgies are, as all sacraments are, a beautiful place that that can happen is in the midst of community. Joining together with other people who are also asking the Lord for healing mm. and having the community pray with you is really the the first option for how anointing of the sick is supposed to be done. That's a great way to say that, and that's something that I think is if we if we can get anything out of this podcast this week, people knowing that 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 is it 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 is a sacrament of healing, not yeah. death. No, it's and a sacrament. So of many healing. so many so often we get in our mindset that the sacrament of anointing for the sick of the sick is only for the most extreme situations. Yeah. But that's not the case. And another piece of practical advice, how can you be uh, how can you participate in the healing work of Jesus? Encourage your loved ones to call the priest. Mm. Right? There are so many times as a priest when the when I get the call to go and visit someone is when they are on death's doorstep. Right. And there, the church has so many beautiful sacraments, the sacrament of anointing of the sick. There are so many beautiful prayers, uh, the opportunity to go to confession, the opportunity to receive the Eucharist in the midst of your suffering, and especially in the days before your death. Those things are more possible and can be fruitful for that person weeks before they are at death's doorstep. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you have it a... can be and, healing and, for them... Emotionally and spiritually, and spiritually, rather than when they're not conscious yeah. or not, you know. And it's able- such a hard thing to think about. You know, nobody wants to call the priest because there's something about calling the priest that makes you feel like the and end like is coming. Yeah. The end of the checklist, yeah. Yeah. But there, do your do your loved one the service of calling in your pastor, calling a priest. Um, and you don't have to... You know, if you call the priest and say, my loved one is in the hospital, Father, I, I don't know what their health situation is, but I'd just really like for a priest to visit with them. That is, that, that is something that we love to do as priests. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so helpful for us to get that invitation uh, to come and do that to, so that we know um, that your loved one needs it and would like a priest to visit. And uh, your 
encouraging your loved one to visit with a priest to receive the sacraments, that encouragement can go a long way. Love it. Man, we've just gone from baptism to last rites here and everywhere in between. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're like intimately connected in oh, some absolutely. sense. They though. are. I mean, like, Literally. In, the completion you know, of, yeah. Super interesting. My, like, like Jeff mentioned, my wife is a, is a nurse and she works in hospice. And uh, she, she's mentioned to me before just the extreme similarities of someone at the mere end of their life mm-hmm. versus the beginning of a life. And just like coming back to that childlike nature sometimes and you can you can just tell that they are so close to god at that moment Mm -hmm. and i think i don't know there's just something beautiful about that transition that's really hard to explain too and to bring it totally full circle at the very beginning of the funeral liturgy the first thing that we do is we recall the person's baptism we say uh your loved one was baptized in christ and we we bless the casket with the water and then we place a pall on their casket, which is the a reminder garment. of the white garment that unstained. they were given at baptism. Bring this garment unstained with you into eternal life. Uh, just reminds us that our whole life was about discipleship. Our whole life was about and lived from our baptism. Uh, it really does come full circle in the church's liturgy. All right, Jeff. Let's come full circle here um, and and finish up with some dumb questions. Maybe do some rinse and repeat uh, yeah. I would, la- I would, I would lather up a little bit, put some gel in this hair. Yeah, I wondered if you uh, if you had remembered. Oh, of course I had. It's time for Jeff's dumb questions. The part in the show where the glow of the flame of knowledge grows a little dimmer, and our collective IQ goes down a few points, all thanks to Jeff. We're sorry. Awesome. All right. Dumb questions. Uh, our first dumb question, Father, comes from a listener. Great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Who is it? Uh, Rachel Miller. Oh, I know her. Uh, yeah. The uh, amazing wife of uh, and Andrew Miller. Okay. Or le- the le- Andrew the Lesser, we'll call him, because um, he's less than Rachel, I would say. Okay. But, That's just me personally. We'll see if he listens, and we'll find out based on that joke. Um, Here's her question. Do you, as a priest, when you travel, pack any special things? So her her comment was, like, as a parent, when she leaves the house, she's got to make sure she's got, you know, whether you got little kids and it's a diaper bag and you got to have stuff, or when they're traveling, she's got to make sure she's got all these things. Is there anything you make sure that anywhere you're traveling, anywhere you're going, you've you've got them with you? Uh, Oils. For the sick. Do you keep those in your car? I keep them in my car. Gotcha. Now, if you were to give me $100 on whether or not it's in my car right now, not super confident. That's that's (laughs) my mistake today. I just realized as I was saying that, that, you know, I annoyed to somebody the other day and it ended up in my pocket and now it's in my room at home. Wait, but so here's my question. If right now you had to go do an anointing, where would you, what would you do? Oh, I'm going to get in so much trouble with my brother priests. Um, I mean, would you just go to the closest church? Or just find oil. Yes, I would go to the closest church. That's the answer. Don't yes. send, don't, I would go to, so if you, yeah, I would go to the closest loop, church and find, I would go find Father Tim. I think uh, St. Jude actually would be the closest. Father okay, Peter Father Peter Marshall. There you go. Okay. And there's no way he would give He would give me a terribly hard time. <laughs> actually, I'd just send you over to the hospital probably. Yeah, they have some over at St. Francis. Perfect. Okay. Um, 
is that like a requirement? Like at seminary, do they teach you that you have to? Is there oil day? Is there like? There's not oil day. What do you? Seminary. What do you bring with you when you go somewhere day? No. No. Just no. part of. One of those things that you learn along the way. Got it. Yeah. Do you have to have? Do you bring a stole? Yes, I have one in my glove compartment. Purple. Yes. Okay. And that was a gift that Father Peter Marshall gave me when I was ordained. Aww. A purple. It's purple on one side and white on the other side. White for Versatile. like travel. Funerals, mm. things like that, burials. Gotcha. And anything else? Like if I'm going on vacation, I bring a mask kit. Okay. Yeah. Do you keep one of those in your car or no? I actually do have one in my car right now. Ah, gotcha. I have two in my car right now. You have two. Sure because I two was, mask kits, no oil. I was on. <laughs> say two masks at one time. I'm going to always have oils with me from now on. As I realized, I made that mistake today. Um, I was. I went on vacation about three weeks ago, and I put a mask kit together for that. And then two days, a couple days ago, I had mass at the funeral at the the um, cemetery. No, the uh, nursing home. Ah, and so I have that mask kit in my car, and then I have the vacation mask kit in my car. So the vacation mask kit much more like slimmed down. That's it's, my stuff. Yeah, you just <laughs> vacation mask kit is my stuff, and then the like what you need to say a personal mass. Yeah. by yourself versus what you need to celebrate with others. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. Second question. Dumb question. This is where I'm going to wrap it up. Okay. You grew up in Northern Kentucky, Cincinnati area, right? I did. And I don't think it would be right if we had a podcast and we didn't talk about fast food in some way, shape, right. or form with you. Yeah. Where Where do you fall in Skyline Chili? It's awesome. Ah. Skyline Chili. Big Skyline guy. Big Skyline guy. Gotcha. Right after I got ordained a priest, I was starving. I went to Skyline Chili. Yeah? South side of Indianapolis. Hmm. Yeah. There is. It's the only one in the Indy area. Just there are three. There's three. I know where they all are. Where are they? So there's one. <laughs> there's one on 31 on the south side. Yeah. Uh, there's one on Washington Street on the east side. Okay. And then there's one on 82nd Street on the north side. What's like the closest one Michigan. to St. Mary's in Rushville? Um, probably Batesville or the one here uh, on the south side. <laughs> Listen, I know where they are. It's <laughs> awesome. I'm not saying I go there all the time, but I've been to them all. Not sure uh, where the closest oil is, but. <laughs> 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 Skyline Chili's. Okay. Got that wrapped up. Okay. All right. Oh, man. Sometimes. <laughs> oh, the liturgy of Skyline. I love when my brother was off in college, uh, you know, when he first went off to college and I was back home, uh, when he would come home, we would go get a massive amount of cheese conies and we would eat them late at night. And that was like our bonding moment. So good, good memories with the Skyline Chili. Love it. All right. Let's wrap it up there. Father James, thanks so much for joining us. You're welcome. Jeff, you all set? I'm all set. Let's do it. It's all right, cause I'm all set for. It's all right, cause I'm all set for. It's all right, cause I'm all set for Sunday.